families come in all sizes and shapes and and all kinds of configurations and we're going to uh, talk about that uh, a little bit for the next I don't know how many weeks but we'll stay on it a few weeks uh, anyway and I hope no matter where you are in the family whether you're a mom or dad or whether you're a child or whether you're a grandpa or outlaw or in-law whatever it may be I hope that uh, there's something in here especially today that will uh, that'll help you and that you can sink your teeth in and that'll be beneficial for you in your Christian life. I think it's amazing that there are 30, uh, Google told me, and I may not remember this exactly right, but I, I'm pretty close, 31,102, I think, uh, verses in the Bible. And that's a uh, number, I really don't care about that, but what, here's what I care about compared to 31,102 or whatever it was when I looked it up. As I counted, and I came pretty close, uh, as I counted, I only found 54 of them that had to do, uh, that were speaking of family. And I just found that to be an amazing statistic. We, we all know how important family is, and we all know how important family is to God. I mean, he is the, he is the author of families. He's the inventor of that. And I think you would think, and when he writes a revelation to us, when he writes words to us, 31,000 plus verses, it seems like more than 54 of those. Now, obviously, of those 54, when I take out some that are really kind of duplicates and kind of saying the exact same thing, maybe in another way or something, you, you get down to about 34, I think. So 31,000 verses, 34 directly written to husbands, wives, kids, moms, dads. That seems like that seems like that family would not be that important to God with only a little more than one out of every thousand verses in Scripture have something to do with directly to do, written to, this is the subject of this verse, family, moms, dad, husbands, wife, so forth, and so on. That's fascinating to me. And so you could obviously take a look at that and say, well, you know, God didn't really care that much. Or I think there's a deeper principle there. And, and this is what I'm going to bear down in all of today. Since there's only maybe 34, not counting the duplicates, being a, a good dad, being a good mom, being a good son, being a good daughter, uh, grandma, grandpa, all that is, is not primarily a function of a little truth or a little tip or a little strategy or a little technique that you would find in God's word. Because if it was, if it was, if there was this little golden nugget right there that made your family's work super great and made you solve the puzzle of your family then, then there seems like there would be more than 34 verses. It, it's, it, it's not that this, there's this one little thing and voila, it clicks. The, the, our family, the puzzle of our family is solved. The key, the key to solving your family issues is found from Genesis to Revelation. As God lines out, in all of God's word, the person that he wants you to be. Even though a lot, 99% of those verses have nothing to do 
with you husband, you wife, you mom, you dad. It, God screams to us with a lack of verses directly relating to family. God screams to us, you want to solve the problem of families? You be the Christian I've called you to be. You want to go a long way to solving the puzzle? You want to go a long way of putting all the pieces of the puzzle together? You, you take my word from Genesis to the end of the Revelation, whether it's directly related to families or not, and you live this life, and it'll go a long way to solving the puzzle of family. Almost every time that I've had people in my office with family trouble, and family trouble is a whole lot of different things, obviously, but they've had family issues that were serious enough. We all have family issues, okay? Sometimes they get serious enough to come to my office. And, and the family issues serious enough to come into my office, almost every single time it came back to someone somewhere was not being the Christian that they were called to be. Almost every single time. Now, people that come into my office, they're Christians to begin with usually, and that's why they would seek the advice of a pastor. And if there's problems in the marriage, if there's problems in the um, mom-dad-kids relationship or whatever it may be, if there's problems with the grandmother relating to the mom or something like that, if there's problems in there almost every single time, it came down, not to a verse that I can take you to in Ephesians chapter 5 where you have eight or nine straight verses that have to deal with the family, or Colossians chapter 3 where there's several verses that have to deal with the family, or Deuteronomy chapter 6 where there's several verses there that have to do with the family. The issue was not anything like that. The issue was somewhere in their Christian life, they weren't being the Christian they should be. They, they had somewhere had denied their, their identity as a Christian and were living outside of that in some way. It was a problem with their Christianity. It was not a problem with their mothering. It was not a problem with their fathering. It was not a problem with their grandmothering, grandfathering. It was a problem based not in those verses, those few verses that are addressed to husbands, wives, moms, dads, kids. No. There were problems addressed to families. Excuse me, it was problems addressed to just me as a Christian. So, so what I start today on the overarching umbrella as we start talking about family is the key to this, you want to be the dad that God has called you to be? It's not some secret little tip. It's not some book you have to go buy. It's not some seminar that you go to. It's not some video that you watch that will give you some super-duper secret strategy on how to do that. And I'm not putting down any book, any seminar, any video. I'm not putting down anything like that. I'm just saying the key for you being a good dad is for you to be the Christian that God has laid out for you in Scripture. The key for you being a good mom, it's not, you, you, it's, it's not in some seminar where you'll hear something from another mom. As good and as well-being as that probably is. You want to be a good mom? You open your Bible. And it tells you how to live your Christian life. With, with 99% of those verses that, have, that are not directed to you as a family. But you want to be a good mom, you want to be a good dad, open your Bible and be the Christian. Be the Christian 
that God has called you to be. Most of the problems in your family are related to there's not Christian behavior. It's not a mom-dad issue. It's not a family issue. There's not somewhere you've backed up on basic Christian behavior in all of God's Word. My dad, my dad never ever that I can remember, and I think I would remember this, my dad never ever led us in family devotions. Never. And my dad was Christian through and through. I've never met a man in my life that was more Christian than my dad. He was Christian when he was at home, and he was Christian when he was a meat cutter at Kroger's, and he was Christian when he was a part-time pastor, and he was a Christian when he was mowing the grass, and he was a Christian when he was at my basketball games. My dad was Christian to the very core, even though I never really, really remember dad doing some of that Christian stuff. It was who he is, and I can't look back And imagine having a better dad, even though maybe he didn't do some of that accepted Christian stuff, like doing devotions like we try to do with our boys. I knew dad was Christian to the core. And he was a good dad, not because he really did a whole lot of things in the Bible. See right there where it says good dad's supposed to do this? No, it's just because from Genesis to the end of the Revelation, dad tried to be obedient to that book. And he was the person that he that God wanted him to be, and that made him a good dad. Don't make this thing more complicated than it actually is. Most of your problems in life, whether they're financial, whether they're with family, whether they're with employment, no matter what your problems, many of them will be solved if you start living the Christian life according to God's Word. And don't back up on any of it. And take every single bit of it as serious as you possibly can. Now, 31,102 verses, only 34 of them taken out the duplicates have to do with family, so there's a whole slew of other verses. And you didn't hear me say that there's nothing the Bible has to say about family. What I'm saying is it doesn't have it directly written to husbands and wives, moms and dads. Well, there's a whole lot that's applicable to families. And I'm just going to pop through a few verses. Okay? This first verse up here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it's not written to families. But man, let's just be honest, friends. Bear with each other. And forgive one another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you. Is there any scripture that is more applicable to families than that one? Because let's be honest, with family, whether it's family inside the house or whether it's extended family, you just got to bear with one another, don't you? My dad would have a saying every now and then that he would say, and I've told you this and probably remember that I would do something like hit my thumb with a hammer and dad would say, grin and bear it. He, he meant, don't throw a fit, don't go nuts, don't have to go hopping around the yard. He goes, grin and bear it. This, this, this is a verse that's addressed to Christians. It's not a verse. It doesn't say, husbands, bear with your wives. <laughs> wives, 
bear with your husbands. Moms, bear with those little kids in your house. It's speaking to Christian. It's speaking to every single relationship that we have. Bear with that next door neighbor. Bear with that boss that you have. Bear with that in-law. Bear with that uncle. Bear with that teenager even though he's driving you nuts. Not addressed to families. Not in the context of families. Has everything to do with families. And what I'm trying to tell you today, overarching sermon over this whole series is you can go through a couple of verses and you can say where it says husbands do this, wives do that. That's not the primary deal on families. The primary deal on families is me and you, husbands and wives, moms and dads, uh, kids in the family, grandmothers and grandfathers, all extended family, being the Christian they're called to be. And if we're the Christians that we're called to be, watch that go a long, long way to solving the puzzle of your family. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has nothing to do, has nothing at all to do with uh, not written to families. It actually is written in the context of spiritual gifts. Chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians and chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians are talking about spiritual gifts. And in the middle of that, in chapter 13, Paul seems necessary to address love. Now, that's a whole sermon in and of itself. But we all have different gifts. No gifts are better than the others. But the main gift that you have is verse chapter 13. Now, that's the context that it's in. If you teach it according to the way Paul wrote it, that's the way it is. But is there any passage of Scripture that has more to do with families than 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Love is patient. <laughs> you know what that word means? If you want to break that word down in the original language. This, this, I get a kick out of this stuff and probably y'all don't. So just bear with me for a second if you would. <laughs> You know what the word actually means if you break down the Greek word? Long anger. Isn't that good? What is, what is the actual Greek word? We get translated to patience. But if you want to really, really, really translate it exactly the way the Greek language was, it says long anger. That's why a lot of, um, that's why a lot of older translations will have long suffering there. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not... It does not dishonor others. Wow. It is not self-seeking. How many husbands and wives have been in my office and they want to know what was wrong with their marriage but the problem is they were both self-seeking. Scripture says love is not self-seeking. Do you, you, know, you know biblical love, and I don't think I'll have time to really get all the way here today like I wanted to, but biblical love is not a goosebumpy thing. Biblical love, when it talks about that, it's not a, 
it's, it's not a, a, a romantic feelings, as good as the romantic feelings are and as necessary as having the romantic feelings are. Biblical love is an act of the will. Biblical love is a decision. Biblical love is acting in the best interest of the other person. Irregardless of my feelings. Come on, hear that. Irregardless of my feelings. Now, I praise God for all the goosebumps and all those feelings of love. And sometimes you just get knocked down like a wave with an ocean, a feeling of, uh, of love. But scripturally, there's three words for love. And one of them is agape, which is what I'm talking about, and that's what it is here. It's an act of the will. It's acting in the best interest of the other person, irregardless of your feelings. It's a decision. You can agape someone no matter who they are and no matter how you feel about them. You can agape them. There's two other words, eros. That's a word for love. That's where we get the word erotic. So that's a sexual love. Phileo is a word. It's, it, that is a friendship type of love. Philadelphia. Phileo, Philadelphia is a city of brotherly love. But agape, this word, is an act of my will. Is an act of my will. Love is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, and keeps no record of wrongs. And keeps no record of wrongs. How many marital couples are coming into some pastor's office and they're both one, one or both, are record keepers? See, that's not a... That's not, a, that's not a thing that I go to Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 and, 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 and where all that long teaching is on family. I go there. No. This, this, is, a, this is a bottom line fundamental Christian, Christianity verse. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If, if you're a record keeper in your life, you don't have a family problem to solve. You've got a Christianity problem to solve. If, 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 if you're a record keeper and are struggling with forgiveness of someone in your family, it's not a family issue. It's a Christian issue. It's a Christianity issue. You don't need to, get, you don't need to go to some seminar or, or buy some book on, on forgiveness. No, the Bible plainly says, and if, if I'm to bring myself under the authority of God's word, then I am no record keeper. I do not keep a record of wrongs. So, so me to be a better dad? That, that, that passage doesn't have anything to do with, not written to families, but it has everything to do with families. It's not a, some golden little nugget that I've, that I've got to buy a whole library of family books on. It's simple, basic Christianity 101. And that's oh, go a long way solving the problems a lot of the problems in our families what do we have up here next amy love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth love always protects always trust always hopes always perseveres um levi came to me yesterday and i was studying and he said dad i'm sorry to bother you because they know when i'm studying and but he says, hey, can I use the, the uh, drill to pop out this piece in some little plastic Nerf 
machine gun that he had. I said, well, let me, let me, let me see what you're trying to do, because I didn't know how, how drill was going to help him on this. And what was it, got a Phillips head down in there or something you're trying to get out? And he said, no, I'm just going to do this. And he died, I explained it to me. So I didn't, it looked like after a surveying situation, he wasn't going to kill himself, so I let him do it, okay? <laughs> so I said, okay, go, go ahead. And I was sitting in a chair reading when he said that. So he turned and walked away. And I, I thought of that when it says, love always trust. And he turned away, and he, then he turned back to me and goes, hey, thanks for trusting me. And he just turned and walked out. That's all he said. He didn't make a big deal about it. He didn't make a big deal about it. I didn't make a big deal about it. I said, yeah, sure. I, I, you know, whatever I said, I don't know. But, but he just, I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. He goes, thanks. Thanks for trusting me. There's nowhere, uh, maybe, I, okay, I hope there's nowhere because I'm getting ready to say this, but <laughs> I don't think there's a verse in the Bible that says parents trust your children. And common sense tells us there's a whole lot of areas we're not going to trust our children, and we know that. <laughs> but we still have to understand that love always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 the most practical verse in all of God's word. I don't think there's a verse in all of God's word that's more practical about how you live your life. And this is not in the context of family. This is absolutely is not written in the context of family. It doesn't say, husbands, if it's possible, get along with your wife. It doesn't say that. It's just talking about relationships. But it has everything to do with family. It's not written to families, but it has everything to do with families. If it is possible, it might not be possible. You know, you may just have to grin and bear it with your mother-in-law. <laughs> if it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, you have no control over your mother-in-law. You can't make her do anything. As much as it depends upon you, live at peace with her. That's basic Christianity. It's not a family verse, but it has everything to do with families. So, so being a better dad is not opening up and, and the scriptures and look at trying to find those 34 verses or however many there were that speak to families because there's not that many being a better dad is being the christian god has called you to be being a better mom is being the christian god has called you better be to be being a better son or a better daughter is being the christian god has called you to be while there's only a few verses that have to do with family there's a whole slew of them that are applicable to family and make me a better dad, make me a better son, so forth and so on. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, now here's where we're going, then make my joy complete by being, here we are, like-minded. like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit 
and one in mind. Verse 3, listen, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Moms, how many times have you had to work out that verse? In dealing with your kids, in dealing with your husband, value others above yourself. Verse 4 of Philippians 2, not looking to your own interest. It screams family. It screams family. Not addressed to family. Family is not the context here at all. Just this is how you're a Christian. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Philippians 4.13 is a verse that many of you have got memorized. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Sue will have little, take little index cards and there'll be little verses around the house. And she chooses those and I've never ever asked her how did she choose that verse or how did, I've never even asked, ever asked her that, maybe I should have. But I've always wondered as she tries to homeschool as she tries to do all that a mom has to do. She deals with a husband who's a pastor, and that means he's got weird hours, and something could happen at any time. And I mean, some days are good with him, and some days aren't. I wonder if she, the reason that she has this verse at home is because it's just tough to be a mom but she can do all things through Christ who strengthens her. I've wondered if the verses that she chooses are to help her to be a mom as much as they're to help all of us be the people that we're supposed to be just because of the stress of being a mom. It's a lot harder to be a mom and a dad. You know that, don't you? James 1.19 has everything to do with families. James 1.19 says uh, everyone should be quick to listen. <laughs> Would you join me in the line of the people have got, who have got themselves in a whole lot of trouble in some family situations because we were not quick to listen? Would you join behind me in line by people who just would stick their big foot in their mouth? And many times the family situation was not the fact of I didn't obey some verse that was addressed to husbands or dads. It was simply because I didn't obey that verse who's not addressed to husbands or dads. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow. And slow to become angry. What's the premise today, gang? You want, you want to go a long way to solve the problem of family? Be Christian to the very core of your being. I'm not talking about coming to church on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm not talking about uh, 
just making a decision for Christ. Because you know what? When most of us make a decision for Christ, we just don't want to go to hell, right? It's usually a heaven or hell issue. But after we walk with God for a little bit, we realize, man, there's a whole lot of this Christian life I didn't know about, man. This stuff, I need grace. And you surrender yourself in a deeper way. You consecrate yourself to God and say, God, whatever you want for me is what I want. God, help me to be what your word says I should be. And if, we, if I am what your word says I, I should be, I'll be a bang-up dad. I'll tell you, I will. Go ask. Go ask good dads. Hey, tell me the things you, think, tell me the things you did to be a good dad. Go ask some mom who, who's raised, their kids are raised and, and they're all well-adjusted and da-da-da-da-da-da. They, they've all turned out right. Go ask those moms and those dads of those kids. You know what? They'll have difficulty answering the question. You know why they will? They were just being a Christian. They didn't have to do all this stuff, you know, like, well, what should I do now? What? I mean, I don't, I, they, they just were slow to speak and quick, because that's Christianity. I was just being the Christian that I was supposed to do. And man, if you do that for year one, two, three, all the way through 18 and out of the house and still when they're older, now look at the kids you will have raised. Not because of what's in Ephesians 5 that are dressed to husbands and wives. It'd be because from Genesis to the end of Revelation, you've been a Christian. John 1.14 is the verse that we looked at for three weeks at the very start of this year before I went on sabbatical. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, and here it is. I may get here on, on one of these messages, parenting with grace and truth. You've got to parent with both of them. Your family's got to be full of grace and your family has to be full of truth. And it's got to be some healthy measure of both of them. And I don't know how to tell you to balance that. I don't know how to tell you how much of grace and how much of truth. I don't, I don't know that. I just try to do it, man, with the grace that God will give me. A couple more verses. Proverbs 15.1. It's everything to do with families. A gentle answer turns away wrath. I'll say to Sue every now and then. Levi's a handful. Can I tell you that? He's, he's a handful. And he pushes Sue. Because Sue's a... Sue's, Sue's got to ever have everything her way, okay? Sue's a very, very disciplined person. Blow you away. I can tell you, to blow you away on, on the discipline that she has. And Levi is on the negative scale somewhere in discipline. You know, right? <laughs> so it'd be quite often that Sue will not be as gentle as I would like for her to be. And I'm sure there's gobs amount of times that me is the same thing. And I'll tell Sue, I'll try to tell her very gently, with Levi, you get what you give. You get what you give. 
if you give him wrath, a harsh word stirs up anger, the verse says. If you give him harshness, he'll be more likely to come back to you with it. If you give him irritation, he'd be more likely to come back with it. If you give him tone of voice that, that comes across as irritated with him or whatever, verse has everything to do with family. You know, when I was gone on sabbatical and I'm in this project now on, on, you know, trying to complete this yearly devotional, I've got 40 weeks, at least the first draft of 40 weeks done. And pray for me that I'll get motivated to finish those last 12 here pretty soon. But uh, I was doing some research on the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And I was digging into that word, and what does that word really mean? And when the writer wrote that in 2,000 years ago, what did that Greek word really mean? And, and gentleness means, this is good. This, this is one of the things that, that I like, and you, you may not get a kick out of it like I do, but gentleness is strength under control. It's gentleness. Strength under control. That's what the Greek word in the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. It's strength under control. It's no mamby-pamby. I can't think of any word that won't be politically incorrect nowadays, but uh, it's strength under control. And let me give you the, the most important verse in the whole Bible relating to children. And families. It's found in Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. (laughs) Number one, right there. What's the preacher talk about? He talked about not killing your kids, man. Now, I'm going to have to leave off a whole lot today. Um, but what I was meaning today is it, what I wanted to really get to in the gist of the message. And as I preached in the first service, obviously, this has taken the time and it's okay. But what I wanted to get to in this was really is this next verse. And I'm not going to have time to unpack it. So don't get all freaked out. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Some of you know that as the fruit of the Spirit. This is not a verse that is written to families. Not at all. But is there any passage that's any more applicable to families than all of God's Word? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. You know what an orange tree does? If the orange tree is healthy? If the orange tree is healthy, it bears fruit, orange, orange fruit. You don't have to coax it. It's just going to do it naturally. If it's healthy. If it's healthy. Apple tree. If it's healthy. If it's healthy. It's just going to produce apples, man. I mean, that's what apple trees do. A healthy apple tree. You, you, you see the application there. For a healthy Christian. For a healthy Christian. For, for, for a Christian that is in the context of this passage. That's living and walking by the Spirit that has totally consecrated their lives and asked God to fill them with all that he has, that wants with, 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 
with all their very being to be the, the husband, the dad, the, 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 the mom, the, the, the wife, the son, the daughter, the boy, the girl, and the family that God wants them to be? A healthy Christian bears that fruit. Orange tree doesn't have to really, doesn't have to be coaxed or, you, you know, you don't have to do a whole bunch of surgery on it every single year and try to get those orange, uh, orange, orange tree bears fruit. Apple tree bears apples. Healthy Christians bear this fruit. And, and I've got to try hard and be loving today. And a healthy Christian. Healthy Christian is just a loving person. Somebody who's walking in the fullness of God's spirit, who's walking to, with Jesus as close as he can walk. They're just, this is fruit that's born naturally. And, and, and they aren't the works of the spirit. I've got to work. I had somebody after. I hate, uh, that's a strong word. I'm sorry. Um, but I'll use this word. I hate it when somebody misses the whole point of the sermon. Well, one person after, after me says, on that fruit of the Spirit, here's what I'm working on. It's not it. It's not it. It's a complete surrender to the Spirit of God. And let Him do that through you. It's, it's, it's being before doing that's why you ask the successful dad or successful mom what they did and how, they, how were they that great of a mom or dad. They don't know. They were just being a Christian. They were just being the healthy Christian that they were called to be. And when you, and when you just be as a Christian, it's love and joy and peace. And if those things aren't being born in your life, there's a problem with your Christianity somewhere. There's a problem somewhere. Oh, we're not perfectly patient and we're, we're, we're not perfectly peaceful and all that. But if those things are really causing rifts and problems and are a, a problem to be solved in your family, it's a Christianity problem. It's not a family problem. It's being before doing. Spiritual activity is not our primary goal. Praying and reading the Bible and working with the kids and, and, and the nurseries and children's and, and, and giving of your tithe and all that spiritual activity, that's wonderful. But they're byproducts. They're byproducts of the person that he wants to make you. The tree doesn't have to go mm, to get that pear out just bears it if he's healthy if he's healthy so my dad when I think back on my dad on now what did my dad do that made him a great dad I don't know if I can come up with anything he just was it was who he was it was down in here somewhere. Well, Mark, did your dad go spend a whole lot of time with you and take you out to McDonald's and have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with you? I don't remember it if he did. Well, 
Well, I don't sound like a very good. He was a great dad. But it was because of who he was. And who he was at the very core of his being was Christian. Being and doing. Doing is about me. Being is about God doing something through me. Sounds a little more Christian, doesn't it? Doing is about effort. I'm going to be patient if it kills me. Doing is about effort. Being is about faith. Being is about faith. Doing could create spiritual pride because I'm going to do it better than you. And we're going to do it better than that church down the street. Doing can create spiritual pride. Being should, should create humility. Doing is religion. Being is a relationship. I had one simple premise this morning. Not to come here to give you some golden nugget about parenting or family that you have never heard. Then you take that and go out and be the hey number one dad. That's not it. Because that don't that does not exist. You open God's word, and with everything that's in you, you try to be the man. You try to be the husband. You try to be the mom. You try to be the wife. You try to be the son. You try to be the daughter. You try to be the brother, the sister, the in-law, the grandparent that God has called you to be. And that'll go a long, long way to solving the puzzle of family. It'll go a long, long way to put the pieces of that puzzle together. Can't leave without this one last verse. It's from John 15. And this is what what I've been talking about the whole time. This verse doesn't have a heading over top of it that says, Instructions for Families. You know, some of your Bible has paragraph headings. Those are totally inserted by by men. They're not bad, but they're totally inserted by man. This verse is not, Husbands, you be sure you remain in me. Wives, you be sure. It's just not directed to families. But it has everything to do with families. Jesus said, remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You want the best family advice I can possibly give you? Remain in him. You want to know the puzzle piece that will make go a long way to solving that puzzle for you remain in Jesus don't just come to church as good as that is close lock stock and barrel sold out to Christ are are you that way are you that way is that you 
Has there been a time where you knelt at an altar or, or sat in your lazy boy or somewhere and said, God, would you fill me with your spirit so I can be the person you want me to be? And if I'm the person you want me to be, a byproduct of that, I'll be the dad you want me to be. I'll be the mom you want me to be. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever done that and trusted him and trusted him to do it through you? Through you. Our servers are coming to the table where we remember the shed blood of Christ, the death of Christ, that not only wrought forgiveness of sins for us, but wrought power for us to be a new creation in Christ, to be born again, to be different than you used to be. And that difference shows up in every area of your life. This just came to my head, and it's, it's dangerous to do this because I might not be able to come out with it. There's, there was an old, old gospel song, and I'm not going to be able to come out with it perfectly. It was, and, and the story of the song with a guy that got saved, and he went back home to tell his family he got saved. And he says, I, I walked in, and my daughter did what she usually did when I walked in, and she ran and hid because that was the kind of dad I was. But the song goes... Honey, you don't have to run. You got a new daddy now. You got a new daddy now. Father, there are some men in here and some women in here that may want to be new daddies, new mommies. And that's not really by trying harder or comes by total surrender to your spirit to your way in their life it comes as they try to be obedient to what they know to be obedient to as they read your word and try to bring themselves under your lordship I pray you take this little message that is so so simple but it's profound in its simplicity Bless us now as we continue with this service. In Jesus' name.